I'm willing to do to go get it. I push things aside just to go get it. I know my role and I play my position. You talking too much. Please learn how to listen. I never give up. Welcome back to the YI Network, where we interview every job occupation A through Z from the trash man to the CEO and ask them how and why they started doing what they're doing so that you can find your dream job too. I'm your host, Kojo Thompson, and today we're with Mr. McClarty, Leonardo McClarty, and he is the president and CEO of the Howard County Chamber. Now, Mr. McClarty, go ahead and uh, fill in the gaps that I missed there. I know I did miss a lot. Well, first of all, uh, thank you for, for having me and, and just being able to share some of my experiences uh, with your audience. And, and, and certainly, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer, as the saying goes, to whom much is given, much is required. Mm -hmm. And so a little bit about the Chamber of Commerce. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that are, are thinking, OK, yeah, maybe I've heard of it, but I don't know exactly what it is they do and, and what it is. Mm -hmm. But uh, real quick, the Chamber of Commerce, we are a business membership organization. We're made up of small businesses from the kind of, as I like to call them, the solopreneur mm -hmm. to your uh, medium-sized companies, to your large corporations like your Comcast, your BM, uh, your BGEs, your Wells Fargo, et cetera. But at the same time, we also have as members uh, like Howard Community College, we have local governments, we have other not-for-profits, and people join the chamber ultimately because they're concerned about their community as a place of employment, as a place where business thrives and prospers. They also want to have another vehicle to be able to promote their products, their goods, their services. Also, they join the chamber to be able to meet other professionals that can help them in terms of maybe getting in the doors that they've been trying to get into that they perhaps have found closed. And so we like to consider ourselves a conduit for people that are looking to grow their networks, grow their people, and grow their business. Okay. Okay. Um, now let's uh, let's go ahead and dive right in uh, mm -hmm. to the question people really want to hear: How and why did you start become uh, uh, president and CEO of a chamber? So for me, my, my background is um, is is this, and this is what got me interested. Um, and so hopefully it won't be an extremely long <laughs> answer, but. Uh, so I'm originally from the Atlanta area. Mm -hmm. And so growing up, um, I used to, I guess, maybe to, to bring it close to, to Howard County. So imagine you grow up in Howard County, but maybe every Sunday you attend church in Baltimore City. Mm -hmm. So kind of equate that for me to Atlanta. I grew up in College Park, Georgia, mm -hmm. which is not far from the, um, the airport and so forth. And we always went to church downtown mm -hmm. Atlanta. And so... My church was across the street or really maybe about a block or so from the old Georgia Dome and now the new Mercedes-Benz Dome. And so I guess it was maybe around, I don't know, middle school, high school that I watched the dome go up in terms of from a construction perspective. But yet the area where the dome was located was a really rough part of the city. And so I saw... You know, apartments get torn down, buildings get torn down, and was always fascinated about development mm -hmm. and why do things happen where they happen, why this location and not that location, what happens to the people that live there, all of those different things. So that got me at least interested into development. But initially, I actually thought I wanted to be either an attorney or an accountant. 
So even though I was fascinated by development and intrigue, I was thinking because everyone always tells you, oh, you know, you'd be a lawyer or be, you know, CPA or whatever. And so that's what I was thinking about doing. So go to college and then immediately take a couple economics courses and realize that the accounting thing was not for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. Okay. And so secondly, I start going more of a pre-law route. Took a few constitutional law courses and, and I did fine in the classes, but also said to myself, well, I don't know if I want to go to law school another three years after I finish undergrad, which that's a whole other story. Mm -hmm. So I ended up taking an urban politics course and that kind of got into back to that intrigue of why do things get built where they get built? And it was in that urban politics course that I became fascinated about urban studies, urban redevelopment, urban development. And so fast forward, ended up finishing school. I ended up actually becoming a um, urban studies major as opposed to pre-law. Okay. And so went to graduate school at Clemson, got a master's in city and regional planning, which again, getting back to that development mm -hmm. bug. And then from there, the, the rest is, is history. Um, I've been fortunate that I've, I've worked at several local governments um, before, but I would always, even in the local government side, worked with chambers of commerce, which is how I got introduced to chambers of commerce. And, but always knew, I guess after I went into graduate school, for me, the goal was always I wanted to lead an organization. It was always... Um, I want to be the director, I want to be the president, or what have you. And so that's kind of how I'm here now. Okay, so uh, you, you touched on a lot of interesting points. So you said you, you, you know, earlier off uh, you wanted to be maybe an attorney, lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, how long did it really take for you to, you know, actually realize that, okay, this was actually something that I wanted to do instead of? I think, so I was in college, mm -hmm. and so um, I think... Let's see, it was maybe my sophomore year that I decided initially, okay, I'm going to go a pre-law route. Mm. And then it was probably somewhere perhaps my junior year that I decided, uh, I don't know if I want to go to law school. Okay. And that's when I took the urban politics course. And then from there, it was a case of, ah, okay, I, I, I like this. Mm -hmm. And I think the initial thing that I had to get over, and I think a, a lot of people, particularly being at the group that this is for, 17 to 25, mm -hmm. is you have to get beyond, am I doing this because I want to do it, or am I doing this because perhaps I'm concerned that my parents will feel like I'm not getting a, quote, good job. And so I remember for me, the first time I started talking about going to graduate school and getting in city planning, and I remember my mom saying, can you make any money doing that? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that oftentimes happens is that, on the one hand, our parents want to see us be successful. They want to see us do well. But sometimes being, quote, successful may not necessarily, or, or let me say it differently, success by someone else's eyes may not be success for you. It may not also mean happiness. And so I think a lot of times it's, it's not the the people that's outside your network. It's the people closest to you that sometimes you have to move beyond perhaps their expectations of you. I and, agree. And, and do what makes you happy. Great point. That was a great <laughs> point. Um, 
And I think you, we should really take that one away, guys. Um, that was a I'll rewind that one about a minute back and uh, listen to that one again. Um, let me ask you this. So you said um, that when you were growing up, you grew up near the the Mercedes Benz dorm, mm-hmm. uh, dome, and you saw the develop the yes. development of it. Um, now, you know that's something that really triggered you and you know tickled your interest a little bit. I want to know what else, you know, like what, what else were some childhood hobbies and habits that you think matriculated into who you became today? I think one of the things that has that has helped and that I use and I think that's been a good experience for for this position is I work with a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with people that are older than me, younger than me, male, female, black, white, Indian, um, folks that are from Howard County, not from Howard County, et cetera. And I think what prepared me growing up was the fact that, so, I, again, I grew up um, middle class part of town, um, just true middle class. I had neighbors that some were professional and may wore white shirt and a tie like yourself. Mm-hmm. Others, they put a uniform on and they went to work and worked maybe on an assembly line. Mm-hmm. And so truly, you know, just solid middle class. However, when I got into middle school, my mom decided for me, ultimately for education purposes, she wanted me to go to a different school, and which is on a different part of town. Mm-hmm. So basically I go starting in seventh grade from being in a school around in a neighborhood that's all black to being in a, well, let me back up. I'm in a middle class, all black environment, and I go about 25 miles across town to a predominantly all white affluent mm-hmm. environment. Mm-hmm. And so with that, I, th- I think a few things came from that. Mm-hmm. One, I had to get comfortable in my own skin. And what I mean by that is being just comfortable with who I am regardless as to who was around me. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it helped to really get to know people for who they are and not necessarily prejudge because I was a good athlete. And initially, people would tell me, you know, black friends, black parents, oh, well, when you get to that white school, they're not going to let you start. They're not going to let you play. They're not going to treat you right. Mm-hmm. And so, again, putting aside some of those things which can hold you back because then it affects your attitude. Mm -hmm. And if it affects your attitude, then you don't go in with the right mindset to be able to perform. Mm -hmm. But I just went in and said, hey, I'm going to do my best. I think I'm good. And we'll go from there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, quick story. First day I'm in eighth grade Mm -hmm. going out for the football team and the coach had us all line up, and he was just wanting to see where his speed was, and, and ultimately I was the fastest kid on the team. Mm-hmm. So he kind of pulled me to the side and said, hey, I want you to be my running back. Mm-hmm. So immediately from day one, I had a fair shot. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a case of, oh, this is the black kid from the black side of town. It was just the fact of, hey, I'm trying to have a good football team. Mm-hmm. You're fast. You look like a good athlete, <laughs> you know, and I think, I think you can do it. Mm-hmm. And so I say all of those things and, and, that, and how they've helped me today 
is the fact of, again, trying to give people a fair shake. And so as opposed to giving yourself a reason not to like someone, give yourself a reason to like someone and then let them do their part when you decide, uh, you know what, this this person, he and I, or, or she and I, we don't quite see eye to eye on some things. So, you know what, let's, uh, you know, we'll say hello and we keep it moving. Mm-hmm. And, and so for me, I think it's those that experience of, of going into, a, again, a different environment of just being able to relate to people. Um, I had another job right out of graduate school where I was in working in, again, in rural Georgia. And a lot of times, you know, you would go in some of these small towns. And, of course, you see some of the eyes when, you know, you get out and you're, you know, a black man with a coat and tie on and mm-hmm. some rural parts. Mm-hmm. But, again, if you if they realize you're bringing some resources to them that maybe they didn't have or didn't need, and next thing you know, barriers break down. And, and so I think at the end of the day, being able to relate and understand people that's something that is I've had to learn early on and that has carried me through where I am today. Okay. Okay. Um, what's an average day like for you as a, the president of a, a chamber? So for me, an average day, um, I think one of the things I enjoy about my job is that not one day is, is always the same. Mm-hmm. So, and, and even throughout the course of the day. So, Today, as an example, is actually a pretty laid back day, hence the reason, you know, open college shirt, no jacket. Uh, excuse me, I've actually been in the office all day. And so, but some of the things I've been involved in today, I, I sit on a few boards of directors. So I'm, I'm treasurer of our National Chamber of, of Commerce Trade Association. So we had our, we're trying to adopt, and their fiscal year runs on a, um, April 1 to March 31st. So we were trying to adopt a budget. Mm-hmm. So I had a conference call dealing with that. Another part was talking to potential members about, um, so working the phones, following up with people, hey, you need to join the chamber. Where are we with that? Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, there's some finance involved on our end because it's the end of the month, seeing, okay, well, are we hitting our our numbers for the month, where do we where do we think we're going to end? Um, we're in the process of preparing for an annual cyber conference. And so um, part of that is checking on the status of certain invitations and speakers that we've sent invitations to and trying to meet certain deadlines. So for me, my day at any given time can involve everything from finance to sales to marketing to communications, to public policy, politics, um, to different seminars that we may put on, um, a host of things. And, and, and sometimes it may be more of one on the other, but it's a multitude of things that takes place each day. So Your, son, your job sounds like a box full of <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you get a little bit of everything. Yes. Um, so you do get a little bit of everything. Let me ask you something. Yeah. What do you enjoy least about your job? I think, um, I guess if anything, perhaps what I enjoy least sometimes and what I enjoy most are maybe the same. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what I enjoy least at times is the fact that um, 
at the end, the, the revenue that we bring in is, is dependent upon somebody else cutting me a check. And so, you know, the fact that I've got to constantly make sure that I'm demonstrating value to them, thus they say, okay, yes, I'll pay you. But more importantly, that they pay me when I want them to pay me. Okay. <laughs> so, so if anything, I think that, and, and I would say that's probably the challenge that even anyone, anyone that's running a company or that owns their own business probably faces is the fact that each day, and, and I think that's why I say I think it's also the thing that keeps you excited mm -hmm. because you constantly have to prove yourself. Mm -hmm. um, something that stood out, a friend of mine used to say that works in sales mm -hmm. is that um, he said, I eat what I kill. Okay. <laughs> and so if I don't kill anything, I don't eat. Okay. And, and I think it's the same thing here. If I don't sell anything, if I don't get any sponsorships, if people don't come to our events, then our numbers are down, and if our numbers are down, we don't have revenue, and and then I have to look at other things. So for me, that's the um, I would say that's maybe the, the struggle. So it's a it's an everyday um, grind, is what you're saying. It, it is, and, and certainly some days are. It's I think it's like life. Some days are easier than others um, because not every day you're, you know, as an example, trying to maybe sell something. There are some days where. Again, I may be focused more on maybe community relations type efforts. Other days, it may be if we're having a conference, um, then some days it might be back-to-back -back sales appointments. Mm -hmm. So each day is a little bit different. Um, I mean, and then some days create opportunities to sit down and talk with folks like yourself. Okay. <laughs> um, let me go ahead and ask you... Um, this one, this one, I really hope you get stumped on this yeah. one because I this is intended for people to say no. So I, I really want to hear a no today because okay. Okay. I've been hearing yeses all week and I okay. don't want to hear a yes. <laughs> Do you think that grades in school mattered for the success of your career? Hmm. That's a, that's a good question. Um, so I'm going to give you an answer that I'm going to say yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. and, and and here's why. Okay. Um I think the the no because it's at certain points when you put a resume in front of someone as an example, they don't look at they don't ask you what what grades did you make? Did you make a, did you make all A's in college? What they're looking at is your ability to perform. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, if the job says this, can you meet the criteria to fulfill that job? So that's where, <clears throat> so that's where I say no. But where I say yes is I went to graduate school. And so without making certain grades, I don't get into graduate school. And graduate school gave me the background or the foundation to be able to sit in some of the rooms and the meetings that I'm in and understand what's going on. So I will say at times, I think grades may be overrated, but I would say education and understanding is certainly not. And, and I think that's where I think we can get the two confused. I mean, I, I use a good friend of mine who runs his own company in North Carolina or a small business in North Carolina. And when we were in college, he didn't make the best grades, 
but he actually could apply what he was learning and certainly understands and he works in um, finance and, and taxes and accounting and so forth. And so I think that's the thing also is that sometimes people can get so focused on passing a test, getting a particular grade, but yet they don't understand what it is that they're being tested or evaluated on so that when it comes time for application, they're lost. I agree. Um, so the, the more of the, uh, the fine line between the actual understanding of the education and the grades. Right. And, and, and I would say I think the important things about grades are that that's your metric. That's your measuring tool. And I think right now that's the only thing that we have from an education perspective to try to get a sense of do you understand the material? And again, it's the same as when you go to work and you get a performance evaluation, that's your grade. And so it may not be in the form of a A, B, C, or D, but maybe it's in the form of a exceeds expectations, meets expectations, average, not meeting expectations, et cetera. So it's, it may not be in a number, but it's still a metric. And like I said, as you get further in your career, as you get into certain levels of, of, of responsibility, again, grades, even, I'll, I'll throw something else at you. As you move further along in your career, where you, went to, where you went to school doesn't matter. Meaning, when you get out at, say, 21, 22 years old from college, and you're getting maybe your first real job, you know, yes, it helps to have maybe a University of Maryland College Park behind your name, or maybe to have a University of Virginia, or better yet, a Duke or Syracuse or Notre Dame. Yes, those big things help at 21, 22. I would say they probably help still at 27, 28. But when you get 32 and you've got 10 years of work experience behind you, okay, yeah, that's nice that you went to Duke. Okay, but I see you went to North Carolina Central as well. You know, Two schools, both in Durham, you know, but I mean, and yeah, this school may have a lot of national acclaim, but that doesn't mean you know any less because now you both have 10 years of work experience and now want to know what have you been able to do on the job. And at that point, it, you know, the degree doesn't mean as much in the sense of the where. Mm -hmm. Yes, you have it. Then you get to 42. Now you got 20 years of work experience behind you. And, and the next thing is, as you move up from a maybe account manager to maybe you are a division manager, let's say, for instance, or you are a vice president, now even what you put on paper is different. The first one, when you're 22, it's more so along the lines of, I did this, I did that, I did this. When you get to 42 and you're in management and leadership, it's more so I led, I facilitated, I orchestrated. Because then what they want to know is that, are you leading the team? Are you producing output? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, 
led a team of 40 uh, grew revenue by, as opposed to just, I did these things, I did these tasks. And so I guess ultimately that's the difference as you proceed, as you progress in your career, you move from things that are kind of task oriented, you check the box to things that are more um, delivery results oriented as to what actions did you take that led to a result. Okay. I think that's a very good point. Um, so let's go ahead and wrap things up. Um, there are a lot of people watching out there. Um, again, made audience 17 through 25, but we, we also have some viewers who might be 35 right. and are looking. I, I just recently interviewed a, a counselor, mm -hmm. and she didn't figure out what she wanted to do, like what she was truly happy with until she was 45. Okay. So there are people right. of all ages who are trying to figure out what they want to do mm -hmm. career-wise. Now, what I want to ask you is um, if you were to give one piece of something, one piece of advice, one message to them, to those people who want to be sitting in your seat um, down the road, mm -hmm. what would it be? I would say probably, I think two things come to mind. Uh, the first is don't burn any bridges. Mm. Always do things the right way. Mm. And what I mean by that is little things such as if it's time to leave an employer, give proper notice, um, you know, turn things in the way that they say turn things in, uh, but do things the right way. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'll give an example. Sometimes when we're in places like the greater Baltimore area, like the metro Atlanta area, D.C., and you see other people of color, doing various jobs and professions. And it's real easy to think that that's the norm because that's, that is, that's your norm, that's what you see. Mm -hmm. But then when you go to these national conferences and there may be five, 10,000 people and then you end up seeing, wow, I don't see any black people. I don't even see any Latinos. That puts in perspective that depending on what profession you may choose, you may be really a minority. It's just the fact that you're doing it in an area where there's a lot of diversity. So hence, don't burn any bridges because you don't know when you're going to come across somebody again in your profession. And so that's the thing that I'll, I firmly believe in trying to do things the right way. Um, doing the little things because you just don't know when someone when you're going to cross someone's path again. I think the second thing that I would say is that when you choose whatever it is that you're going to do, um, truly be the consummate professional and know your craft. You have to constantly stay up on latest trends, on latest on emerging maybe technologies, on anything that's impacting your field of, of choice, your discipline, you got to know what's going on. Because again, it's about distinguishing yourself because you start out early on. I mean, if you think about an org chart, in essence, for any business, small, large, what have you, at the end of the day, it's a pyramid. Okay. <laughs> You've got a lot of people down here. Yeah. And so when you first start, there are a lot of opportunities to do certain things. Mm -hmm. But as you decide you want to move up, 
there's now a lot more people vying for fewer jobs. And you get up here, there's fewer jobs and a lot more people that still want that. So you have to constantly be studying, constantly know what's going on in your respective industry. Um, if this was sports, we'd say be a student of the game. Mm -hmm. And in our professional career, still be a student of the game. Know, know what's going on. Okay, that was a that was a good uh, closing statement, uh, Mr. McClarty. Yes. All right. Um, now I'd like to personally thank Mr. McClarty because he definitely like I, I hit him up. When did I hit you up? Maybe two days ago. And <laughs> you, you did. Definitely, you definitely uh, welcomed me into your office and made time for me. So let's uh, give a big thank you to Mr. McClarty. Um, he's he does he does have a website that we're gonna uh, post up. We're gonna leave it right below him in the caption and in the description below. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed this video or audio clip, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube and iTunes podcast at YI Network. And if you or somebody you know is passionate about their job, go ahead and send me an email at whyimpassionate at gmail.com for your chance to get interviewed as well. And as always, go ahead and follow us on all social media networks at YI Network. Talk to you guys soon. I push things aside just to go get it. I know my role and I play my position. You talking too much. Please learn how to listen. I never give up.